You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, we're in the seventh week of our series in the book of James. Of course, as I said, we took a break last week to celebrate Easter. And I'm just going to tell y'all in preface today by telling you this. Today is going to be a barn burner. Oh, yeah? Okay, like, look at your neighbor and say, I hope you wore your steel-toe shoes, you know? Man, this, this, this passage this week, me studying it myself, hit me right between the eyes. You know, they say, you know, we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. I promise you this. Pastor Josh has not gotten into your email account or into your mailbox, okay, y'all? It's the Bible reading us this weekend. If I was going to give this sermon a title, I would call it A Tale of Two Wisdoms. Because today what we're going to see is we're going to see two different categories, two different types of wisdom. The first is what's referred to as earthly or worldly wisdom or We could technically call it foolishness because the Bible talks about earthly wisdom in the Hebrew poetry, especially as foolishness. And of course, the second category is the opposite of that. That is godly wisdom or wisdom that comes from heaven. We're going to look at James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. What I'd like to do is let's read the entire passage because it's kind of broken up. Let's give a definition for what we mean by wisdom. And then let's look at these two different categories and some of the attributes that the scripture tells us for these categories. So James chapter three, let's start in verse 13. Y'all with me? Say I am. James starts with a question and says this, who is wise and understanding among you? What a weird question. Y'all remember that show from years ago called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? What a weird question, right? Like, let me ask that question. Who in here wants to be a millionaire? I got both hands raised. Some of y'all are like, well, I'm not practical. I'm not going to raise my hand because we're in church and it's not all about money. Everybody in here, raise your hand right now. Who wants to be a millionaire? All of us. Even if you want it on a game show, you'd be like, all right, Lord, <laughs> thank you. You know, that's how this question is that James starts with. And he's kind of setting the church up. Who among you is wise? Well, everybody in here would raise their hand and say, well, I know some stuff. I got some experience. Whether it's, I know stuff about cars, I know stuff about the Bible, I know stuff about this. Who among you is wise? Everybody in the church is raising their hand. i got some understanding. I've got some knowledge. Then he gets into it and he says, let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all purer than peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness." The character in the scripture that's found in the Old Testament that throughout the whole Bible is associated the most with the concept of wisdom is King Solomon. If you remember the story, God comes to Solomon and he says, I'm going to give you anything you want. And Solomon says in return, not I want to be a great warrior, not I want to be the richest man alive, not I want to win the Mr. Olympia contest and be buff. He says, 
I want wisdom. This is the concept that the Bible gives us when it comes to seeking out wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 16, 16 shows us the example Solomon gave us when he wrote, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold? The thing we should strive for on this earth is godly wisdom above everything else. Now, when James speaks of wisdom, what he's talking about really is a worldview that you have for your life. He's not talking about cleverness. He's not talking about people that know the most. He's not talking about people that have the most theological training. Uh, He's not talking about people that sound like they know what they're talking about more than everyone else. What James is making clear right out of the gate is wisdom is shown and does not exist if not shown by your behavior. Wisdom, in other words, is seen not just with your words, but in your deeds. Wisdom has been described before as living a godly life in a skillful manner or skillful living. One theologian says this about this passage. Wisdom is someone's conduct and how they live, not their brain power and what they know. So James is showing us where foolishness or earthly wisdom comes from and what it looks like and how it can be seen. And he's showing us where godly wisdom comes from and what it looks like and how it can be seen. And he's telling us its evidence is behavioral, not intellectual. The first category that he gets into, and it's sort of broken up. That's why I read the entire passage and then wanted to give categories to clarify it, is he speaks to people that are following earthly wisdom or people that are unwise or people that are foolish. There was a groundbreaking movie that came out about two months ago that I think is just going to change the world. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Cocaine Bear. Anybody heard of Cocaine Bear? Yeah. You thought I was going to say Jesus Revolution, didn't you? No. Cocaine Bear. I was interested in that movie just because uh, it actually took place in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I'm from. Uh, in the 80s, uh, drug guys threw their drugs out the window and, and it landed in the Chattahoochee River and all among the area where I grew up. And apparently the movie is about a bear that gets high on cocaine and goes around like mauling people. I want you to think about that movie and listen to Proverbs seventeen twelve. It says this, Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. Let me me rephrase this for you. Better to come in contact with a cocaine bear than to live a life of foolishness where you're not following God's Word or hang around people that are living a life of foolishness. James breaks earthly wisdom up into three categories. First, he talks about the signs or the marks of unwise people. And he gives us two heart-level signs that you need to watch out for because you're probably going to struggle with these at some point. The first he describes as bitter envy. And this is jealousy that harbors hard feelings towards someone. This has been described as a person that has their hands full but feels threatened by another person's success. In other words, God's given you a whole lot and blessed you a whole lot but you're jealous of someone else that you feel like has more than you have. 
The second attribute that's the mark of the unwise, the heart level sign is selfish ambition. This can be translated into pride or in other words, promoting ourselves in order to bring someone else down. This is a person that has an insatiable hunger to push him or herself to the top at all costs. Now, when we look at these two heart level signs, right, I couldn't help in my mind. Now, I'm a pastor and I live in this world, so maybe it's just me, but I couldn't help but consider how in the Christian world in America today, we struggle so mightily with these two things. Christian singers struggle with it. I want to be number one. Pastors struggle with it. I want to be the best. Authors struggle with it. Churches struggle with it. This idea that we want to be the biggest. We want to be the best. What a timely passage of Scripture for us to study as a church together. Amen, y'all? Because if you think we're moving to the theater so we can go around town bragging about how awesome we are, you ain't going to last in this church. Because that's not what it's about. Bitter envy. Selfish ambition. In John chapter 9, something took place that I often refer to as the first ever pastor's conference. In the first ever pastor's conference, you've heard the story, is when the disciples get together and they start to argue about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus comes and says, one who's going to be the greatest is like this little child. Because they're not worried about bitter envy and selfish ambition. All they want to do is please me. I look around the landscape of Christianity today, especially in America, and I think that we really struggle with honor. A few weeks ago, I don't have my Facebook account anymore, but I kind of creep sometimes on my wife's. And uh, I was looking on her account, especially here like the last month or two. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it's been kind of interesting to see what all people are saying about us. But I was on, uh, y'all know what Crossfield Chitter Chatter is. You ever heard of that before? They need to rename it Crossfield Gossip and Sin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not judging you if you're on there, but that's pretty much what it is. It's just Facebook has made it, you know, a great way to lie and gossip, right? And so, anyway, somebody said on there, hey, I'm looking for a church. And you've seen that before. And over 100 comments of people. I get it. Some of y'all are like, hey, you know, you say, Revolution's great. Didn't see any of our people say anything crazy. You know, I'm so proud of y'all. But boy, some of the comments were, our church is the best. We have the best preacher. We have the best kids ministry. We have the best missions. We have the best worship. We have the best everything. We're number one. Don't go anywhere else in town because we rule all. Y'all know what I'm saying? Have y'all seen this before? This is what I'm talking about. What have we talked about when we talked about the tongue? What comes out of the mouth shows what's in the heart. Bitter envy, selfish ambition. This worldly, earthly wisdom that's showing up in churches and, you know, we measure everything by how many dollars we take up on Sunday. Nothing wrong with that. Y'all need to be generous, but that's not the main reason we do church. How many butts do we have in seats? Because that's the most important thing. Nothing wrong with that. We want to reach as many people as we can at Revolution Church. But the measure is, are we spreading the gospel and are we making disciples? Jesus didn't say, Hey, listen, listen, I'm telling you all, still toe boots, okay? Jesus didn't say, 
hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven, and while I'm gone, before I come back, I want y'all to go build big buildings. And I want y'all to try to be the best at doing church in Crossville. That's such a subjective definition. No, he said, I want you to make disciples. Spread the gospel among the nations. And so I can't help but think about that when it comes to this because we don't use these. We use souls being saved, disciples being made. He then goes into, after he talks about the marks of the unwise and the heart level signs, he talks about how they play out in the characteristics that a person would have that's following earthly wisdom. These are the qualities that come out in a real way. Number one, boastfulness. It could be translated arrogant. This is a person that proudly justifies one's own sinful actions, and this is the exact opposite of humility. Secondly, he says this, this is a person that, struck, that denies the truth. could be translated dishonest. And I love the definition one commentator said, this is a person that changes their truth standards to match their beliefs, lifestyles, or desires. In other words, y'all know this, right? Anybody can pull the Bible out of context to make it agree with whatever you want. You know that, right? You can pull verses out of Scripture to justify racism, to justify being gay, but when you look at it in context, you can't do that. A person that is following earthly wisdom pulls Scripture out of context to make it agree with their lifestyle or their behavior. In other words, they deny the truth. He says they're earthly or worldly. It means it's not from above. This is a person that has a purely horizontal view in their life and views things from a temporary perspective, using non-heavenly standards in order to measure things in their life, whether it be success, uh, material goods, priorities. It's all earthly. They don't give thought to the vertical and their relationship with God. It's unspiritual, James says. This word could be translated natural. In the Greek, this literally translates into soulish. And the Greek word is where we get the word psyche when it says unspiritual people are people that are following earthly wisdom. It's where we get the word psyche. So it applies to the self or the inner human motives. In other words, this is this is. Uh, earthly wisdom that comes from your own thoughts, your own attitudes, your own interests, your own pursuits, and your own emotions. It's not given by the Holy Spirit from above. It comes from your flesh. Finally, he gives us this characteristic. It's demonic. It's demonic. And rest assured, when it says demonic, it does mean that some of this earthly wisdom comes from actual demons. It comes from the enemy that plants thoughts into your head. But the overarching theme, because clearly it also includes our flesh, is that this is wisdom, earthly wisdom, foolishness, that reflects a philosophy or a pattern of thinking that is so contrary to God's truth that it could be endorsed by Satan himself. One commentator says about it being demonic, it refers to the same proud spirit that caused Lucifer to be cast out of heaven resides in the world. You've got to be careful because it can reside in you. Be very careful. James doesn't just give us the heart level signs and then the characteristics. He then tells us what the results are. 
What are the results of following foolishness or following earthly wisdom? He gives us two things. Number one, disorder, which can be translated chaos, confusion, disharmony, antagonism, pettiness. And then secondly, he gives us this category that's very broad when he says it also results in every evil practice. What does that mean, every evil practice? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 gives us a pretty good definition when it says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's dead religion, by the way. You go to church, but you never follow Jesus any other time or believe in his power. Have nothing to do with such people. Strong words from James. See, Understand what James is fighting 2,000 years ago when he wrote this to the church. He's fighting a culture where there were all kinds of things that we would look in the church today and go, that's crazy. Pedophilia was common practice in this culture. People thought nothing of an older man having basically a sex slave as a younger boy. In many of the, the different the different cities, almost every single one of them, if a baby was born with a defect, the family would cast it aside in the name of convenience. In every single city where the church would read this letter, there were idols, hundreds of them, that were being worshipped, false gods, so the one true God was not the main priority in people's lives. They worshipped other things that took priority over the one true God. In this culture, and, and I'm not trying to be political up here, guys. I'm just telling you the truth so you understand the context. Sex and gender started to become a major focus in this culture. Same demons, different day, isn't it, y'all? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says this. You've heard this before. They say that what is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. It's talking about the end times, of course, but it's talking about cultures and nations and people that eventually get to a place where it's crazy. And I, and I love the beginning part of that verse, but... Listen to the, the B and C part of that verse. It doesn't just tell us that what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. It also says in some cultures and in some places and at the end times, what's black is going to be white and what's white is going to be black. What's bitter is going to be sweet and what's sweet is going to be bitter. Every one of us needs to be very mindful of earthly wisdom, y'all, because it is running rampant. It's everywhere. Can I be real with y'all for about the next five minutes? Everybody say amen. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get your panties in a wad, okay? We're in a culture where one plus one to many people equals 50. Worldly wisdom and foolishness, this is how it plays out in your mind. I don't need anybody to do life with. 
even if I'm a Christian, I don't really need the church. I can do this on my own. You can find nowhere in Scripture, no biblical backup for this at all. Church is hard. I get it. We're all crazy. Amen, y'all? All of us, look at your neighbor. Okay, we're going to have some look at your neighbor moments. Say, I'm crazy, man. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, we know it's hard. We know. But the world comes in and a demon starts whispering in your ear saying, you don't need all that mess. Those people are nuts. Worldly wisdom. <laughs> it says stuff like, uh, yeah, what's black will be white. What's right will be wrong. It says stuff like, uh, hey guys, castration's a good idea. Well, we know God made you this way, but, but hey, big deal. I would say to the men in here, castration is not a good idea. Don't drink the Kool-Aid on that. Or better yet, don't drink the Bud Light on that. Y'all know what I'm saying? Am I being clear? No, listen. I'm just trying to tie this into life today, okay? Y'all, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm really being serious. This, this, is, this is how this stuff plays out. What a passage of Scripture for this day and time. I mean, worldly wisdom says, don't care for your physical body. Let's get the ones that kind of hit closer to home, right? Eat as many little Debbies as you want. I mean, let's skip over this verse that says it's better to have a knife to your throat than for your God to be your stomach, right? And let's just plant another potluck in the church. You know what I'm saying? Worldly wisdom? Worldly wisdom says, hey, hey, hey. Murder doesn't count if it's a baby. I mean, you know. Same demons, different day. It's going to cause a defect in your life. Cast it aside. Name a convenience. Worldly wisdom says it's just sex. Ain't no big deal. Forget the fact that Paul said, you know, when you lay with a prostitute, you become one with her. And you're connected to her or him. It's, it's culturally acceptable. Forget the science that says it, you know, you're 50% more likely to 75% more likely to get divorced if you live together before you're married and have sex. Forget that. Everybody's doing it. One plus one is 50. What's black is white. Jesus never said anything about shacking up anyway. It's, it's earthly wisdom. You judge people based on Skin color. Don't take care of your kids because you deserve to be happy. Don't stay committed to your vows because you need to live your truth. Talking to a guy last week, came to our church. I don't know if he's here today. But uh, he was peeking his way around the corner at the second or third service last week. We were so packed last week. I, I don't even, it was like a blur to me. But um, he was peeking his way around the corner, kind of looking in. He was Dressed up real nice and uh, kind of looking in and sort of nervous. Y'all know what I mean? Like, and I can tell when somebody does that, it's probably because they hadn't been to church in a while and they're kind of intimidated and maybe their life's been messed up. And, 
And they're thinking about going in like they drove all the way here and got dressed up, but they don't know. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? So glad you're here. You looking to go to church today? Yeah, 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 man. One of your people, some blonde headed lady, prayed for me in Walmart and invited me here. So I figured I'd come. That's earthly wisdom, by the way. You know, at the risk of embarrassing yourself, you push that aside and you go, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And this guy comes to church and he's sharing with me. I don't want to break his confidence, but he's sharing with me after service. He's crying during service. God's just ministering to him. He's like, man, I've been thinking about taking my life like almost every day. Just give up. That's earthly. That's demonic. You're here this weekend. Think, man, I, I just want to give up. It's too hard. I can't make it through this diagnosis. I can't make it through this season. I just can't break this addiction. Earthly wisdom, demonic wisdom whispers in your ear. Just give up then. Don't keep fighting the good fight. Just stop. It's based in truth is what you want it to be. And that truth is based off what demons say and what your flesh says. Is everybody with me? Say amen. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. You've heard this verse before quoted, and it's not a bad translation, but I think sometimes it's quoted at the wrong time. You've heard it this way. Where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. But if you actually look at the Hebrew and translate it in a better way, it says this. Where there is no revelation, where does revelation come from? It comes from God. It comes from his word. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Why is all this going on in the world today? Why are we seeing all this? There's no revelation. So people are just casting off restraint. This is where there is no revelation. The people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The Living Bible says it this way. Maybe this will clarify it for you. Where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. But what a wonderful thing it is for a nation to know and keep his laws. I'll close with this and we'll go on to the next subject, which is a lot happier. Okay, y'all. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, it leads straight to hell. There's a way of life that the world says it doesn't hurt nobody. It looks harmless enough, but it leads straight to hell. Well, James doesn't just give us the bad news and how we look in the mirror and go, man, I'm struggling with some of this stuff. He gives us the good news, too. And he gives us, again, three categories, the marks of the wise or the signs of someone, the heart level signs that someone is wise. And the first one, he says, is a good life. This is good behavior, in other words. It could be translated a changed lifestyle of a believer as a result of believing in Jesus. The life of a wise person changes for the good as a result of having the Holy Spirit in their life. It's been defined as having a good life, someone that exhibits ready obedience to God's word. Now, remember, the entire theme of the book of James is real faith produces real works. Real faith produces genuine works. So again, it's not how smart you are. Wisdom is not your sense of humor. It's not about how witty you are. It's not about how educated you are. A wise person reflects God's truth in their lifestyle. 
The second thing he tells us about the marks of the wise are deeds done in humility. Could be translated gentle deeds or deeds done in the gentleness of wisdom. Uh, This is wisdom inspired by humility and meekness that leads to good works in your life. Now, when we think of the word gentle that's used here, that could be translated gentle, a lot of us think of weakness, but that's not what the Bible is referring to when it uses the word gentle. The word picture for the word gentle is used to describe a high-spirited horse brought under control. It hasn't lost its natural strength, but carries that strength with gentleness and humility. Getting a theme here? Self-control, gentleness, fruits of the Spirit. I've been reading ahead to uh, the Sermon on the Mount because we're going to start a series uh, starting Memorial Day weekend where we're going to go through verse by verse the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the first verses, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the kingdom of earth. Now, James gets into characteristics or the fruits of God's wisdom. How does this play out in our life? What are the seen attributes of of living out godly wisdom in our life. First, there's purity. It's pure. God-given wisdom produces purity of internal motives and actions. And remember, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Secondly, a person that is following godly wisdom has peace in their life. They're peace-loving. The goal is to have peaceful relationships, and a person that is following godly wisdom seeks to remove ill will. In other words, you get really good at forgiving people. If you're in here right now and every day you wake up and there's more drama between your relationships, another Facebook message waiting on you where you're rolling your eyes about somebody, you're living a foolish life. Because people that are following God, they have peace-loving relationships. And oh, by the way, remember Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Thirdly, he says that people that are following God's wisdom are considerate, could be translated gentle, could be translated equitable, moderate, yielding. In other words, a person who surrenders his rights for a higher ordeal. And that ordeal is God's truth. Doug Larson says this about the word considerate. Wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. You're listening to God. You're considerate. Fourthly, this person is submissive. Everybody say submissive. Boy, this is a fun one. You guys sounded really excited to say that, okay? Woo! Submissive. Could be translated reasonable. Or easily persuaded. This is not a naive pushover. This means that someone is teachable and they put aside their stubbornness in order to yield to truth. It could be a person that is flexible and open to change. Flexible and open to change. I love that. What a word for our church. You know, here in a couple of months, We're going to be moving from here and we're going to be moving into Rocky Top 10 Theater. And we all agree God has given us this gift of us. Who would have thought at the beginning of this year when our back was against the wall, God would give us a facility in two months? Y'all know what I'm saying? It's totally insane. But here's what I know. Some of y'all, you're so inflexible, you can't even touch your knees, much less your toes. I know church folk and we're going to get over there. And some of y'all are just going to be thinking in your head, oh man, too much change. It's different. Ah! 
Listen, it's a timely message. Don't come filling up my office in my email box. Dr. Josh, my parking spot is 10 feet further away. I don't like the way we do coffee now. Can, can we just do the seats different? I used to have my son's seat. Now I don't have it. Somebody took it. Look at your neighbor and say, start stretching. Because the only way we're going to survive this is if we have this quality that comes from heaven and it is godly wisdom. And that is not, I know y'all didn't like to say submissive, okay? Like submissive, you know? So everybody say flexible, flexible. That's a lot better, man. Sounds better. You're flexible. Good definition of grace is flexibility. You know? So don't you dare start saying, I wish we were back in Egypt. Okay? For the day I announced it, I said, man, don't some of y'all say, I wish we were back under slavery. Now, that's being kind of, I mean, we're not in slavery here at the mall. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, it's like they went through a lot worse stuff. The mall's been a great place to do church. But you understand the concept that I'm saying. This is flexibility mm. another beatitude i think that was left out of scripture is blessed are the flexible for they won't get bent out of shape y'all know what i'm saying the other characteristics is they're full of mercy this is a person that withholds a just punishment that someone deserves it implies looking on someone with compassion when they probably deserve punishment does that sound familiar that's what Jesus did for you if it doesn't. That's the gospel. Instead of judgment, you offer kindness and benevolence. It's a person that's full of good fruit, could be translated bountiful. And remember, Jesus said, this goes right in line with the book of James, you will know them by their fruit. It's a person that is impartial. They're unwavering, in other words. A person with fixed principles who will never violate biblical standards and never compromise the truth of Scripture. I don't know where to give credit to this, but I think I heard a preacher say this once. The test of whether something is right is not based on feelings. It's based on God's truth. And so we need to understand the source of wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The final characteristic of someone that's following uh, godly wisdom is they're sincere. One translation says a person that is really following godly wisdom is non-hypocritical. Does anybody remember the movie from about 20 or 30 years ago called The Nutty Professor? Anybody remember The Nutty Professor? I remember Eddie Murphy was one of the first guys that I remember seeing where he would do a movie and he was so incredibly talented that he played multiple different characters in the movie. Y'all know what I mean? If you remember The Nutty Professor, it was about a guy who was, you know, not attractive by the world standards, called Sherman Clump, and he creates this potion that he drinks, and it turns him into Buddy Love, the love machine. Y'all know what I mean? I'm just a love machine, just a love I don't know why I'm singing that, but anyway, everybody sing that with me. I'm just a love machine. This isn't a marriage series, but you know. And so Buddy Love, and, and, and he played both those. It's kind of like, uh, if you remember... I grew up on Family Matters, TGIF. Does anybody remember that? Steve Urkel. 
And remember, he would transform into Stefan. And Stefan was slick. He wasn't a nerd like Steve Urkel. And he played both those parts. Kind of amazing, right? Well, the word for hypocrite in the Greek, and I've explained this to you before, it's a term used to describe an actor playing multiple parts in a Greek play. In most Greek plays, an actor would play multiple parts because if there were several actors, they would have to split the house and the money that people paid. So if there was one actor, he could take all the money. And so what would happen is that actor would typically run backstage, put on a different costume, put on a different mask, come out, play one part, go backstage, change again, come out, play another part, go backstage, come back, and all these different parts. That's a hypocrite. The Bible says people that are following godly wisdom are not hypocrites. You're not playing parts. I talked to someone last Sunday, led them to the Lord Sunday night. I was talking to them. They were lost. They were like, you know, I just don't know who I am. I feel like I play a part based on who's in the room. I just change who I am based on who's in the room. And then they got saved and Talking to them this week, it's like they've been set free of playing all these different parts because no matter who's in the room, you know where your identity is. And it's in Christ. So you're, you're sincere. You're not a hypocrite. You're not playing parts. See, we can see clearly that James' point when he brings out these characteristics, remember the question he said at the beginning, who wants to be a millionaire? Everybody, who has wisdom? Well, I got some wisdom. If you claim to have wisdom like you should... Why do you live like you shouldn't? If you claim to have wisdom like you should, why do you live like you shouldn't? James tells us that the results of living a life with godly wisdom are twofold, peace and righteousness. Godly wisdom, when it comes out in our life, it's a person that gives and is generous. It's a person that prays and understands the power in prayer. It's a person that thinks of others more than they think of themselves. It's a person that is really good at not holding on to bitterness and forgiving people even of the most heinous things. It's a person that prioritizes doing things God's way. It's a person that looks to heaven for their wisdom and understands where their ultimate citizenship is instead of looking horizontally at the world all the time. This week, I grabbed a book off Amazon Really, really good book. I'd recommend you get it. It's called Redneck Wisdom. I thought, man, I'm always looking for good sermon examples. So I picked up this uh, book, Redneck Wisdom. And in this book, there was some really good stuff. But there were these redneck wisdom one-liners that I just loved. And I had to read some of them to you. Some of these may offend you, but it's all good. I already said, look at your neighbor and tell them don't get their panties in a water. Right? So if you're going to come back after I say that, these won't bother you. Okay, so y'all with me say I am. Okay. So y'all know some of these. Let's go over some of the ones that were in there that like you can help me complete. Uh, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch, okay? Uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? How about this one? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Some of y'all need to write these down. These are good. You can tell them to your kids. I've used this one in sermons before when I talk about how you know you need to be careful of the friends you choose. If you lie with dogs... You're going to get some fleas. Actually, in the book, it was written, if you lie with pigs, you're going to get muddy. You know, uh, how about this one? Guys love this one. I love this one. Don't let your mouth write a check. Y'all said but. I'm so proud of y'all. 
I'm so proud of y'all, man. Revolution, I wasn't sure. I was like, is somebody going to drop it? I don't know. Don't let your mouth write a check that your butt can't cash. The other day, I said this one to my kids. They were like, can we do this? Can we do this? And if, 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 if we could do this and blah, 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 blah. And I looked at them and I, and I said some form of this. Well, kids, if a frog had, frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt when he hops. You know what I mean? I said that to him. Like, and you think about that and you go, that's true. If a frog had wings, it does bump his butt, okay? Listen to some of these others. Don't let your mouth run off till your brain is in gear. Well, that have been a good one for last two weeks ago's James sermon when we talked about the tongue, right? Make sure your mind is in gear. Don't wrestle with a pig. You'll get dirty and the pig likes it. Why is Pastor Josh on us about not arguing with people on Facebook about us buying the theater and all that stuff? That right there. I'm not calling those people pigs. I'm just saying, like, y'all know what I mean? You going to argue with somebody on Facebook about that? Come on, man. Like, they love that. That's what they want. Don't cast your pearls before swine, in other words, you know? How about this one? This is a good one. You'll remember this one. If you're going to lunch, like right after this especially. You can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't wipe your friends on your saddle. <laughs> Be careful. Let me give you all some of these because y'all know I love animals, especially cats. If you didn't know this, cats are from hell. Okay, y'all. So if you're a cat lover, we love you, but we're praying that God sets you free from that. I'm just joking. Okay, y'all. Just because a cat had her kitten in the oven doesn't make them biscuits. Amen, y'all. About this one, don't insult the alligator before you cross the stream. You can figure that out. How about this? This is a good one. I'm going to start using this one. A man that picks up a cat by its tail learns a lesson he can learn no other way. Amen, y'all? Like, it's the only way you're going to learn it. <laughs> Brooke's not in here. Okay, I'll say this. If you want to howl with the wolves, you can't be peeing with the puppies. Amen, y'all? Like, come on, howl with the wolves. What are you waiting on? You know? Fish or cut bait, right? Here's the last three, and these were my favorites. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. That's good. That's good. Don't squat with your spurs on. How about that? Only takes one time. For the married folks in here, you'll like this one. The best way to remember your anniversary is to forget it once. Just once. That's all it takes. I was reading that this week and I couldn't help but think, hey man, those are funny. Those are great. Those are hilarious. There's some truth to those, right? But the main thing we should seek in our lives, what James is telling us is not redneck wisdom, not worldly wisdom, not the things we think of that we think are smart and great and slick, but godly wisdom that comes from his word. If you're looking, to, if you're looking for answers to whatever situation you're in, trying to figure out the decisions you should make, whatever it is, turn to his word. Because that's where wisdom is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for every single person that's in here. God, I just pray you help me. Man, there's been those moments where I've struggled with wisdom that is not from you. I've justified things. I have uh, I've listened to the voice of the enemy in my ear. And I've done things in my life. I know, God, that they're crazy. One plus one is 50. It, it was black, but I said it was white. So, God, I just pray... You lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. Give us your wisdom. 
You said in James chapter 1, if we ask for it, you are faithful to give it to us. There's people under the sound of my voice that are trying to make decisions. Life-altering decisions. Should I leave my spouse? Should I, should I take this job? Should I give this money? Should I, whatever it is, God, I pray. They get the wisdom to make those decisions from the only source where they'll be blessed. That's your word. We love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.